Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. Are you interested in breaking into fashion or playwriting or filmmaking? Then this is the episode for you because my next guest is a successful entrepreneur who began his career as a fashion designer and has since helped position major brands like Ralph Lauren and Victoria's Secret. But before I introduce you to the incredibly talented Jeffrey Madoff, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays, and it's got unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my frappuccino-loving fashionistas, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Jeffrey Madoff, the founder of Madoff Productions, based in New York City. He is a successful entrepreneur who has used his storytelling, interviewing abilities, and fearless creativity to help position major brands like Ralph Lauren, Victoria's Secret, Radio City Music Hall, and the Harvard School for Public Health, among many, many others. Jeff began his career as a fashion designer, and before long, he was chosen as one of the top 10 designers in the U.S. Jeff then pivoted to film and video production, and his videos have generated over 100 million views. He since expanded his repertoire to include playwriting and theatrical producing, his latest play about rock and roll Hall of Fame legend Lloyd Price will have its world premiere in February 2022. Jeff is also an adjunct professor at the Parsons School for Design, where he's been teaching a course he developed called Creativity, Making a Living with Your Ideas, every week for more than a dozen years. And every week for a, over a dozen years, Jeff has had a conversation with a different guest from a wide variety of fields, from artists and entrepreneurs to venture capitalists and business leaders. A book about his class entitled Creative Careers Making a Living with Your Ideas was published in 2020 by Hatchet. We're going to be digging into Creative Careers, the book, in our main Time for Coffee interview so please check out show notes to see if that episode has already dropped. 
Jeff, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I'm actually on an IV drip of caffeine in anticipation of doing your show. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it is my pleasure. And we should let our listeners know that you are joining us from Manhattan in New York City and therefore be ready for all kinds of fun symphony-like sounds in the background. Yeah, I thank you for preparing them for the various sirens that they'll be hearing. Yes, yes. Well, I know you're probably, you probably learned to tune them out. I actually, you know, it's just part of the whole kaleidoscopic collage that New York is both visually and sound wise. So I don't turn it out, but it doesn't throw me off because I'm so used to it. Yeah, I know because my, my husband grew up in New York, my in-laws are there and so many people have just, it. yeah, it's background noise. So let's dive into our 10 espresso shots with the first question being, what entry-level jobs, Jeff, are available to young people who want to break into the creative world? First of all, find out places that you're really interested in working at and start soliciting them. And even to offer to do things and have a clear idea of what that is you can offer to do. So you can begin to establish a relationship with a potential employer. And what do you think are the most common types of entry-level jobs, the kind of titles, maybe, that they should be looking out for in the creative space? I think that looking for internships is probably the path of least resistance, although they are competitive. And in New York City... Most internships are paid. I don't know what that's like on a national level. But, you know, they would be called internships and you would probably be a jack of all trades. And it depends on the industry you're in, but you'd be called on to do a lot of different things. The most important advice I can give is whatever it is you do, make yourself necessary and let them know that you're always taking initiative by always taking initiative and not waiting to be told what to do. Yeah, absolutely. If you finish what they've assigned you, let them know and tell them, what else can I do to help? Exactly, exactly. Jeff, what are useful hard and soft skills that you've looked for in the young people that you've hired over the years? I look for a few things. One is a strong ability to communicate. I want people who are able to speak up, to let their voice be heard. And I know that's, by the way, difficult for a lot of people, especially when they're in a job situation. But I actually encourage that. I encourage people to find their own voice because if I, if I like you enough to hire you, then that means I respect you and I want to hear what you've got to say. So I think the communication skills are essential no matter what kind of career that you go into being polite and being present because a job interview, by the way, starts the first time somebody picks up the phone at an office you're calling. And when you walk in and even meet the receptionist, you be nice to everybody and you be polite to everybody because it's really interesting. A lot of people don't realize that that receptionist that you were rude to afterwards will talk to his or her boss and say, wow, that person was really rude. They didn't even say hello. So I think that the 
hard and soft skills are more having to do with personality, be engaging, be present, and polite. Fantastic. I'll add one other thing to that, actually, Andrew, and that is also be curious. Because when you're being interviewed, it's a two-way street. You should be interviewing your potential employer. And so you should be prepared to ask them questions that you really want to know the answers to. Don't go in just rote. Go in and ask them about things you'd want to know about. And that curiosity translates to a potential employer as you're actually interested in this job. Definitely. And I might add to that because when, especially if you're being interviewed by the person who's going to supervise you, this is a great opportunity for you to gauge, is this someone who might be able to become a mentor? Is this somebody who wants to be a mentor, who wants to share their wisdom and experience with me? Because that is like, that's like secret sauce right there. That is the extra, not just learning on the job from the tasks that you're doing, the assignments that you get, but also more importantly, from the person who has much more experience than you do. Oh, I totally agree. And as a matter of fact, there are people that have worked for me who are no longer working for me. One of them that comes immediately to mind started his own company a few years ago. He still attends my classes when he's open those mornings and still calls and checks in and talks about what he's doing because he's now in a production business himself. And I value those relationships. And, uh, you know, there's a woman who works for me who two years ago switched professions. I got an email from her yesterday just giving me an update on ter in terms of what she's doing. And she told me she read my book. And, you know, I think that those relationships that you build and maintain over years have value on so many levels. So I, I think you're, you're really hit it on the head when you talked about developing those mentorships. Jeff, is someone's major a deciding factor to get into the creative field? If they haven't studied, gosh, I don't know, studio art or philosophy or fill in the blank, is it a deal breaker? Absolutely not. I think that so many people who have gone on to tremendously successful careers, unless, by the way, that career presupposes an advanced degree, if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a lawyer. But in terms of most things, your major doesn't really make any difference. And actually, my next question has to do with that advanced degree. What about if you are in the creative space? Is it important to have a graduate school degree in order to succeed? And I ask that because is it something that you think is a prerequisite? And even if it isn't, are there certain advanced degrees that you think would be useful to have? I think there are, there are courses you should take that would be useful to have in terms of investing in an advanced degree if you're going into a creative field. There are certain schools, for instance, Yale, if you go to Yale Drama School, if you go to Tisch in New York City, you know, there are certain schools that the main advantage to going to those schools is you're going to meet a lot of other people who are in that field. And so you start establishing a very effective network with those people. 
Is there anything that you learn in the classroom that's going to give you a leg up? Not that I know of. And but I'm not a great person to ask because I never had any formal training for anything that I have done. So, you know, I'm not a good example of that. But of all the people that I have interviewed, it's amazing what a small percentage actually did something with their major. Doesn't mean that it didn't inform them in some way and they didn't get value and learn from it. But in terms of the specific major to follow a specific path, no. Yes. And I actually just posted on LinkedIn about this because there is a statistic to back up what you just said, Jeff. And that is that only 27% of college graduates go into an industry related to their college major. And what that means is, because I know you can do the math, that over 70% of us, and I'm in that same boat, went into industries that had nothing to do with our major. That doesn't mean that your major was a waste. Far from it. What it means is that no matter what you study, and I can say to our listeners, you had a double major in college of philosophy and psychology. Is that right? That is right. Yes. And the skills, I have no doubt, Jeff, the hard and soft skills that you picked up both in the classroom and on the mat as a wrestler helped you when you got into the working world. So it doesn't matter. It's not a direct kind of one-to-one type of equation. You are picking things up in the classroom and off outside the classroom in your extracurriculars that are valuable. Oh, I completely agree with you. With my double major of psychology and philosophy, I did try to get a job as a sage. (laughs) <laughs> but the wisdom factories were laying people off at that point, so I couldn't do it. Oh, darn. I'll, I'll, yeah, I know. It was a blow to me, too, because <laughs> what was I going to do with all those sheep? But, <laughs> but the other thing that I think is important, which sort of builds on what you just said, is if your eyes are open, everything you do informs everything else you do. And so what you learn in school, you know, a lot of, a lot of parents these days... And I have, I have two kids are now, you know, I've been out of college for a few years now, but I remember when they were senior year in high school and I was talking to some of the parents and they said, so what was your degree in? And, and all these parents, by the way, were in the, in the financial world. And, you know, I told them and they said, well, I'd never let my child major in that. I think liberal studies are a waste of time. And, you know, what's the ROI on that? I said the ROI on an education has a lifelong payout. And that is that you're educated, that you know things outside the world that you occupy. And so I think that the ROI is something that you get throughout your whole life. But I think that, you know, school is so expensive. Some people actually look at it that way and look at, well, what's the ROI for that kind of expense? And I don't think that's the way to look at an education. Well, P.S., without we don't have to talk about how many zeros there are in your bank account, but you did get quite wealthy through the work that you've done. And the fact is, I couldn't agree with you more. Please, dear listeners, 
Study what interests you. Study what lights you up and go into a career that interests you, even if you haven't identified your passion yet, because often that takes more time. And I assure you, if you put in the hard work, if you're curious, if you're open and hardworking, it will pay off. It will pay off. So Jeff, what about life experiences? And you've had many of them. What in your experience are the most useful ones for our young listeners to try to cultivate if they want to go into a creative career? Well, I think there's a few things. And I think that what you want to do is feed your curiosity. And what I mean by that is that curiosity is what drives creativity because you're trying to solve something, be it an expression, be it a problem. You're trying to solve and find a solution to something. So go to concerts, read books, go to film, go to theater, go to meetups in a field that you are interested in and expand your circle of friends and influences and all the things that you're taking in. Teaching a class in New York City, I am constantly surprised every semester that there are students who don't take advantage of going to the museums, going to galleries and all these things. These all feed one's creativity and inspire different kinds of activities. And you meet other people in these settings. So I think that the relationships that you can also build over time as a result of that are an incredible, incredibly important aspect of one's creativity, but also building a network where you can express that. Love it. What is the best part for you of being in the creative space? You know, I can't say that I have a best part because I enjoy each step of the process (laughs) other than budgeting. But, you know, I think that Probably when I, when I, we did the workshop for my play and I was able to collaborate with the director, with choreographer, with the musical director, with the actors, musicians, and dancers. And we had a really open and really fruitful collaboration working with talented people who are all agreeing on what that end game is. And that end game in the play is to put the best piece of entertainment in front of an audience that we could. And sharing that common goal removes a lot of the ego issues that you can often confront in that kind of business. So I love the collaboration with talented people who are sharing the same goal. I also though like when I'm in the groove and I'm writing and it's somehow something switches and I'm no longer writing, but somehow channeling the characters. Mm. And that's a really, that's a really cool feeling too. So fortunately there's not any one thing that I like. I like the various steps that are involved because again, they all inform each other and that's fun to me connecting those dots. So the flip side, because no matter what we do in our careers. And in our jobs, there are always aspects, even if you're the boss, as you are, that suck. So what is the part of your current job, which I know in which you wear many hats, but your current job that sucks the most, Jeff? I would say the things that are most 
sucky. <laughs> they're, they're the uh, most frustrating. Oftentimes, are is dealing with people that. I wish they would have dealt with those issues in therapy instead of on the set or on the job. And as a result, you know, you're, you're having to deal with people's problems that should not be imposed on others in a professional setting. So that can be really frustrating because they think that the world revolves around them and they don't realize that the things that they're acting out about affects everyone around them. So that's something that is sucky. Having to raise money for the play, it's great when people say, you know, I love your idea, I'm in, and you get check. That's great, but it's usually not that easy. So raising money and dealing with all of that is not fun. You know, I don't enjoy the business of the business. I'm learning a tremendous amount as I enter theater. And some of that is quite fascinating, but that's not what I want to do on a day-to-day business. So I think that the bottom line to me, Andrea, is first of all, know what you don't know and find other people that can complement the knowledge or activities that you'd rather not involve yourself with so that you can build a team and go forward in a way that you're able to concentrate for the most part on what you want to concentrate on. But you should never, if you are a business owner, abdicate all responsibility and hope that everything is going to go fine. So business of the business, it's not so much fun for me, but I need to know how it works because knowing business is survival and it's a necessary part of survival. And I also think that a lot of creative people make what really becomes ultimately a rationalization saying, well, I'm... I'm creative, but I don't, I don't know anything about business. Picasso was a really smart businessman. Bruce Springsteen is a smart businessman. Oprah is a smart business person. You know, you can be quite creative and no business, just having other people that handle that part for you once you get going. So I think discovering what it is that you really like doing, where your true talents lie is really important. And the more you focus on what you love doing, the more everything else kind of outside that sphere sucks and you try to find other people that can do it for you. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, Jeff? Gosh, I guess the best career advice, you know, it's tough because it's not like I got some platitude that then planted itself and grew in my brain. Yeah, because I'm kind of learning things all the time, but I think that the the one of the keys are I'll, I'll give you two. One is I think it's really important to define what success means to you and what does success look like. And I think for your audience, when you are young, it doesn't mean you can't change your answer or iterate on the answer, but when you're young, it's a really good idea to try to define what that is because if you define success, if you put off that definition of success, and I've seen this happen with extraordinarily successful people, that they have tremendous wealth. However, they feel in terms of their soul, if you will, kind of bankrupt because they thought that success was making money and the making the money seemed kind of hollow once they'd accumulated enough that that's nothing they have to worry about anymore. 
and they discovered that they don't actually even like what they're doing, but that's the golden handcuffs. They feel stuck. So I think asking yourself that question and seeking a definition to what success means to you so you can start designing your life around that, I think the better. And the other part is, I guess it doesn't really fall, it's more advice I'm giving than advice I got, but is persistence and surviving is a much bigger component to success than having a unique idea. And to be able to sort of outlast the competition, if you will, and to be able to persist and, and somehow find your way over, under, or around the obstacles that will inevitably come up, that's how you can stay in business. And that's tough, but that's essential. So I think persistence is really, really important. Is another way of putting that grit? Yeah, you know, I mean, grit can be that you're, you know, biting on the stick as somebody takes a bullet out of you. Uh, I saw that in the cowboy movies, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I mean, if you if you look at grit as that ability to tough it out and to somehow negotiate those obstacles that will inevitably come, then yes, grit is another another word for it. Okay, but it's whatever it is. It's you keep on going and you don't let think something stop you. Terrific. So, Jeff, there may not be a good answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Well, you found I'm good at not giving good answers. So no, absolutely not true. <laughs> not true. What movies, if any, or streaming shows on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever, or books, do you think accurately depict your profession? And maybe I've just teed up a great way to promote your new book. Gosh, you know, I read William Goldman's Adventures in the Screen Trade, which is a great book about, you know, writing in Hollywood. A lot of fun to read. He is a brilliant Oscar winning screenwriter. And he had a phrase in there that is so true. And that phrase was, nobody knows nothing. And that's kind of what I believe, because when you had asked me about advice before, the only kind of advice that I would get was somebody advising me why I couldn't do something. And that's not helpful. And I'm not interested in that kind of advice. I was speaking to a producer very early on when I started the play process, even before I had finished the play, somebody wanted me to meet this guy. And I did. And he had all the pictures in the room of all the plays he'd produced and all that. And he said to me, you know, Jeff, producing a play is very difficult. Most plays fail. Most plays lose money. Most plays, and then I did a timeout sign. And I said to him, despite my youthful appearance, I'm not a kid. And I don't need the theater one on 101. This is really hard to do. And so I guess I tend to stay away from advice and gravitate more towards conversation because advice is also a one-way street. I like two-way streets. Mm. I love that. And I know in your book, you do also touch on staying away from people with negative energy who aren't going to lift you up, who aren't going to encourage you. And I couldn't agree with that more. That guy was, he may have meant well, but I'm sorry. That's not helpful. 
when I was looking at all the posters on the wall and I'm thinking you did this and you're not that impressive. So you're telling me I can't do it. <laughs> Zing. So, yeah. Zing. So, I mean, I didn't say that out loud, by the way. Of uh, course not. Well, you don't know me well enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> my friends wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> oh, you actually said that to him. So, uh, but you know, that's how, that's how I feel about that stuff. You know, especially when somebody's accomplished something and they're telling you that you can't. Absolutely. So, my father has a wonderful quote that he loves to throw around from Will Rogers, who our young listeners most definitely have never heard of, but he was also an actor. And in the Western genre. And he used to say, we're all ignorant just about different things. Well, that's right. That's right. I, you know, and I, I guess for your listeners, I would say if they're, I would say that Will Rogers was kind of like the John Stewart of his day. He is somebody that spoke the truth to power and did it in a way that wasn't confrontational as, as much as it was wise, but would get under their skin. Yeah. Great. Thank you for adding that color. <laughs> Final espresso shot, Jeff. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about creative careers? I think that they might be surprised to learn that it's really hard and that people don't often talk about the difficulties because everybody wants to put a very positive image out there of some kind of picture perfect life on social media. And nobody likes to talk about the difficulties that they confront. And I think that you've got to be prepared to work really hard. And I don't know any entrepreneur, you know, when somebody says, oh, your time's your own, you're your own boss. I don't know anybody who owns their own business that works less as a result of that. Everybody that I know that's successful works really hard. Because it's a roller coaster ride. And sometimes, and I've certainly experienced this in my life, I was wondering whose bank account you were looking at when you were attributing it to me. It's a roller coaster ride. Sometimes I do well financially, sometimes it's lean financially. And it's those ups and downs that is just part of the ride that's life. Yeah. Well, I promise you, I'm not a hacker and I wasn't peering in on your <laughs> bank account. But I know you've had quite a bit of success over the years, whether or not there have been ups and downs, I cannot say. But I want to thank you so much, Jeff. Jeff's new book about his wonderful class at Parsons is entitled Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas, it was just published this year. I read it. It's terrific. If you want to learn more about the book and about how Jeff built his fascinating career, check out show notes to see if his main time for coffee interview has already dropped. Jeff, thank you so much for making time for coffee with me and the T4C community. This was just wonderful. Well, it was my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. And I lift my cup to you. Well, and I lift my glass to you. 
Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.